Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. All right, Tuttle, go. <laughs> Just <laughs> messing, dude. This is Bleacher nah. Blums, and uh, this is going to be this is going to be another great episode. I can feel it in my bones because I've gotten about I think four hours of sleep. I feel like because. Being the father of four teenage daughters who, in the middle of summer, who have absolutely no regard for their parents, uh, much like I did as a teenager, uh, they show up in the middle of the night, and then I've got to wake up and do podcasts. I've got to wake up and prep for baseball games. But uh, you are here in the bleachers. I am Jeff Blum, 14-year Major League veteran. On the left coast is David Tuttle. And I'm just going to ask Tuttle to go ahead and carry the show. I, pr- I tried prepping him before the show. I'm grumpy. I don't know what's wrong with me. I think the world is catching up with me. And you know what else? It's the fact that there's only a couple more games before All-Star break. And I think that my mind, even though there's a big series coming up between the Astros and Yankees, which is going to be an incredible amount of information and maybe maybe some innuendo. Is it innuendo when you try and rag on somebody real subtly? Or is it innuendo? You know, I don't I'm not sure I understand the word because innuendo always kind of goes like, oh, I'm trying to tell this girl that I like her without telling her I like her kind of thing. But I think there's going to be some like subtle, subtle jabs by the color commentator for the Astros during the series, maybe, I guess is how I should put it. Yeah. So I think subtlety, I mean, I think you can actually use subtle innuendo. So innuendo is a hint. There you go. Or right. It's a hint uh, at something to come and you can be subtle about it or you can be a little more abrupt with your hint. Right. Yeah. And the only reason I say that is because Garrett Cole is going to be pitching on Saturday and we've covered the sticky substances for so long and so exhaustive, but there's only been one guy in baseball who has actually said, I use it. I'm nothing without it. And then all of a sudden Garrett Cole's gone out there and gotten smashed since the spin, since the sticky substance has been tested for and he's complained about it. He gets home runs hit off him now. And all of a sudden he's come back down to earth. He still throws a hundred miles an hour. He's still going to get his strikeouts, but it's just been really interesting. And I don't know if you've been paying attention. The only reason I have is because I know the Yankees are coming to town and we're going to be facing, uh, the Astros are going to be facing the, uh, Garrett Cole. So I've been paying attention to it, but it's a, it's drastic the spin rate. It's drastic the uh, the fact that he's only going three and a third innings in some of these outings and giving up four or five runs and throwing a ton of pitches. But uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting series to say the least. You know, maybe this whole series, you and TK could talk about uh, trash can banging and substances. That would be f- just phenomenal. I mean, That'd we haven't buried the hatchet on. Oh, just, oh, it's going to be, you know, ear candy for the listener. If we can just really bring up all the, maybe we should talk about steroids as well. Like, Hey, you know, Bagwell was like, they hinted at Bagwell and they're like, let's talk about steroids. Let's talk about good Lord. No, Aaron. Yeah. Let's talk about all those guys and see if, uh, oh yeah. There you go. (laughs) Any Astro or any Yankee that's ever been associated. (laughs) No, I'm just saying we can just, you know, it's innuendo, right? Hey, you know. Remember that time that maybe A-Rod did steroids and maybe got suspended for 200 games? I don't know. Hey, we can use the Jim Rome, allegedly. That's what he always throws in. Yeah, there you you go. Allegedly. Yeah, rumor has it that allegedly. But allegedly, we've got a good podcast going for us. But I want to know, Tuttle, how have you been, man? It hasn't been a while since we've talked, but I know you've got a lot going on during the week. It's uh, it's nice to have kind of a maskless environment. Restaurants and grocery stores are maskless uh, for the most part out here. And we're just... uh, 
We're just limping through summer. Like you said, I don't, I'm not oh, quite man. at the teenager stage yet, but I've got one of my, uh, my oldest, my son is, uh, staying with grandma for a week. So the house is a little quieter and, uh, you know, sports have kind of quieted down. We have a few camps going on, but like you said, I think just in general, the kids don't have a whole lot of regard for, uh, <laughs> for what their folks are doing or what they have going on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as much as it is summer and as great as my job is, there's still still work to be done and still hours to be had. And fortunately, the Astros, when they've been on the road, uh, have been on the East Coast. So the games have actually been an hour earlier. But I know I've already looked at the second half schedule and they're on the West Coast a ton. So that's going to alter things. And that actually coincides with the kids going back to school, which will be freaking awesome because I'll get home at two in the morning and they'll be up at six 30 in the morning. So that'll be that'll, you, you, yeah. Grumpy Blummer is, is a lot of fun. Um, I've snapped on a couple of people on Twitter this, this week too, man. I felt bad. Yeah. You know, what's weird is every time you think about, I think about you in the studio and, um, you know, getting home at two 30 is moving your car every three hours too. That was something <laughs> I don't know if we talked about. I did. We did talk about on the podcast, but you're at the studio and they're like, Oh, is there a parking permit? No, I'm on the, Oh, I gotta, I gotta move my car in the middle of the game. That's, that's just bonus. You know, what's funny you say that because TK and I were actually sitting in the booth last night and we were talking about it. Cause we had, so we have some days off coming, coming up and TK already took his and we both were talking about how we rearrange our schedule to have days off while we're, while the team is on the road and we would be broadcasting from the studio and TK actually brought up he goes dude I he goes I think I nailed it I missed the last two road trips because one road trip was four games and then they came back and uh, there was another one where he missed the tail end of a road trip. He goes, I went 22 days with not having to pay to park. <laughs> and I started laughing and we started talking about the schedule. And he goes, and he goes, when was your last game in the studio? And I kind of pointed to the date and I go, when are you going to be back? And I said, you know, after uh, the the first homestand after the all-star break, I'll be back uh, in the studio. And he goes, you're going to go 23 days without not having to pay for parking. I mean, that's how... You know, that's just another aspect of not being able to travel is the fact that we we don't call it from the stadium. So we do it from a studio downtown and we have to pay for parking every single day. And, it, you know, the parking meter downtown, you got to move it every three hours. And then it's just it, it's crazy because Julia literally will leave in the second inning of some games and go move her car. I mean, it, it's it's comical that we have to play this car Tetris, you know, while we're trying to call baseball games. But, hey, we'll talk a little bit about that later because there is big news about, uh, you know, team travel and about radio and TV and the potential for travel that I've got. Uh, you know, I've also got some all-star updates uh, regarding the Astros. Maybe we'll mix in some snubs. Uh, Tettle's got some stuff. The Olympics aren't allowing any fans, which is unbelievable. And then we've got uh, the Astros and Giants. I just think it's kind of fun. And I want to bring up something later on between the Astros and Giants, because obviously I broadcast for the Astros and you are on that left coast and you are a fan of the Giants. And they've got a series coming up later in the year that we'll talk about. Maybe we can put out some bet scenarios that fans can vote on for Ooh. us, man. Nice. Yeah. What's on tap brought to you by St. Arnold. Um, we encourage everybody to rate, review, subscribe to our podcast, the Bleacher Blums podcast. Uh, if you want to uh, reach out to us, um, you can get to Blummer27. Yeah, 2-7. 2-7. Right? We know why 2-7 uh, is included in there if you guys listen <laughs> to the last podcast, right? So at Blummer27 on Instagram and Twitter, and I am at Real David Tuttle. Uh, I guess there are other David Tuttles in the world because I couldn't just get at David Tuttle, which would have been nice and easy, but... Uh, 
you know, we also have, we've got the real one. Yeah, that's right. The real one. I, I think I liked it um, until I saw that that's how Donald Trump was Twitter, oh, right? At real Donald Trump. I was going to bring like, that up, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to, nah. you know, degrade your Twitter handle because every yeah. time I would go and tweet out a podcast or send a tweet your way, right. I would have to go at, and then I go real D A. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it just, yeah. it was like him. Yeah. I mean, ah, uh, oof. And, uh, you know, actually uh, SVP has not the fake. I like that. I should have gone with that. Right? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, Scott Van Pelt has not the fake SVP. So anyway, there are definitely things. Maybe we'll change the Twitter handle someday. I think once you start, it's kind of hard to change, but not yeah. for someone with uh, the infamy of, of David Tuttle. So we'll have to see. <laughs> Yeah, and you can also get at Bleacher Blums if you want to get updates on this podcast. I know that our producer, Mark Ramos, does a phenomenal job of getting videos out there and keeping everybody updated. And uh, so make sure you go to at Bleacher Blums on Twitter and Instagram to get some of those videos and stay updated with uh, current episodes. Remember uh, SNL when it was funny? And back in the Ooh. day, they had those two girls. Can't remember the names yeah. of the actresses or actors. And uh they they had they that the they had those knit Hello, I'm Margaret Joe McCullen. And I'm Terry Rialto. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to The Delicious Dish on National Public Radio. Uh, yeah, they had the knitted sweat sweaters and they're like, Next on the show, we are gonna be talking about sticking a needle in your ass to make you a better baseball player. You know, and they were just real subtle and yeah. soft about it. Man, you sound that's how you sound like butter. Yeah, butter, baby. I do. I feel like it. You know, they say look good, feel good. You know, play good. And here I am trying, That's to, what it's trying about. to step up my game. Yeah. Speaking of playing good, how about the All-Star? I don't, All-Star game is coming up. It is going to be in Colorado. I've got a, I've got a couple of questions about uh, the Home Run Derby out there. But the Home Run Derby has been set. The All-Star roster has been set. Uh, were there any surprises to you, David Tuttle, of regarding the, the uh, All-Star rosters, either in the National League or the, in the American League? You know, it's funny. The one that stood out is the Astro that stood out the most, um, mainly because I guess I'm not a homer, but I, I watch a few more Astro games so I can hear your uh, buttery voice and, you know, mm. you and TK banter back and forth, but uh, mm. was Yuli. But um, you know what I think is funny is when it's a, a popularity contest, then, you know, I mean, we have this conversation every year. I think it's different when, um, you know, the fans aren't voting people in, then it's different. Right. But yeah. I mean, there are fans that vote that don't watch any baseball. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, when you hear like somebody made 17 all-star games in a row, it's kind of like, oh yeah. Do you think, do you think they should alter the voting? Um, I think it could be, a, it would be nice if it was a little more, uh, I guess, want to say performance based. And the reason I say that is just because mm -hmm. there are guys that have years, those one-off years. I mean, like Brady Anderson, that year he hit 50, you know, the debate is yeah. like, oh, he took, but I mean, the guy, he should have been on the all-star team if he was or wasn't, I don't know. But, uh, you know, mm -hmm. those kind of things, you have those one-off years or two-off years. And, you know, I know for a fact, like, you know, if I made the big leagues and had a fantastic year, I guess the guy, the other guy that comes up, see Astros Giants, here they are. These are the teams I'm watching is uh, yep. Di Sclafani. He's nine and three with a, like a two, six, seven or something like that. And they were saying that, you know, he could be eligible for, to be, re, you know, to replace somebody Yeah, because he wasn't voted in. It's like, dude, he's nine and three with a two, six, seven. And it's like... And that's the same thing it's with Yuli. So, yeah, right. And and no, you but know it what? is. But you're but you're right because it's name equity, man. Do you, does your yep. name carry any weight? And that's what the fans latch on to. Yep. 
And I, and I think that's fine because that's the right. I mean, that's the pro Bowl, mm-hmm. That's the NBA all-star game. That's what drives the revenue. I mean, I think we understand why it's a popularity contest. I just feel yeah. like when an all-star is having a down year, like I was just saying the catcher for the Dodgers last year, he's the catcher for the White Sox this year. He just went out for six to eight weeks. Oh, Grandal. He has yeah. money, Grandal. So Grandal is hitting 180. You know, he's got 14 home runs mm-hmm. and 35 RBIs, but he's hitting 188. I'm not saying he would, I mean, he's a good catcher, but 188, like he should not be in the conversation as an all-star, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I know he's injured. I'm just using that as an example because the stats were on the top of my mind. Like, well, he's, you know, he's a decent catcher. Okay. Well, we can, you know, add him to the all-star roster. It's like, no, that you did not perform well enough to get into, you know, the all-star game this year. And I just feel like our producer, Mark, just put up uh, Mike Trout, which is a great example, right? So Trout's in the all-star mm-hmm. game. So perfect example. I mean, yep. you know, it's, it's a popularity contest. You want to see those guys out there. Um, but I, I guess Rendon would be another example, right? He's on the IL for the third time this year. So, um, I, and like I said, I, he's not on the all-star team, but this is a popularity contest. They want to see the best players, but guys like Di Sclafani and you mentioned Yuli, um, you're, you're a little more in tune to this. I mean, what were your biggest snubs and what were the things that you saw? You know, Yuli's having a fantastic year. Oh, before I throw it to you with that question, I mean, Yuli, he was not a high strikeout guy ever, but the stats with him walk to strikeout ratio and the, what he's doing in terms oh, of, I mean, yeah. he's, I mean, he's, he's having a career year in terms of putting the ball in play. And I mean, it, he's like the old, uh, the money ball guy, all of a sudden, you know, his walks and hits <laughs> and driving in runs. And like, he's really mm-hmm. changed his approach. He should be at least recognized for that. So what, what, what are your thoughts on the all-star roster and what you saw? Yeah, it, well, the voting is interesting. I love that it's in the fans' hands, but the, I know that Major League Baseball is also trying to alter that a little bit because they do have a player vote, which I find incredibly interesting because the Astros are so well represented, and that tells me that they are getting fan votes and they are getting votes within the game from their peers, which is kind of interesting because this is the first All-Star game since that scandal broke. They did not have it in that COVID year in 2020. And so that in combination with the peer vote is kind of interesting to see that many Astros make it onto that roster. But at the same time, I'm with Tuttle in the sense that Yuli is one of the first guys that jumped out to me because I was pushing him from the beginning of the season uh, just because I knew it was going to be tough. There's some very good first basemen out there. You know, Matt Olson, Jared Walsh uh, for the... uh, Angels and A's uh, are on the team. And then you've got Vlad Guerrero Jr., who obviously is having an MVP triple crown type season. So he deserved a lot of vote. But what I what, I, what was kind of getting to me a little bit, and not that Teoscar Hernandez doesn't deserve to be an all-star, but he is a starter. He is an outfield starter for the, uh, the American League. So that tells you he was one of the top three vote getters uh, in that uh, vote for the American League. And the only reason that kind of popped on me was because... If you're a Toronto Blue Jay PR specialist and you're trying to get guys votes, they have the entire country of Canada with the ability to vote for them. You know, I think that's a, that's a little unfair, but at the same time, abuse it because that's what the rules allow you to go out there and do. So congrats to Tay Oscar for getting in there. And, you know, Mark brings up a good point in Mike Trout. Why are guys, we know that Mike Trout's the most popular guy in the game behind Shohei Otani. And with the Angels having the two most impressive probably the two greatest players in the game right now and they can't win a playoff game is beyond uh, you know, the scope of how to run a team. But 
the fact that the guys who are injured are on that list or still on that list or being announced as starters is kind of, it's a little tough for me. I think there should be an adjustment. If you're on the injured list and you don't have enough at bats to qualify for a batting title, or you don't have enough innings to qualify for an ERA title or to be considered in a top 10 in any of these categories, shouldn't they be off the list a little bit? So you can allow some of these new guys to get out there because I feel like it kind of dilutes the, the integrity of being an all-star, whereas it does become a popularity contest instead of who are the all-stars at this point in this season. Yeah. I mean, more than valid points, obviously, I I guess just to kind of hit the last, I mean, just kind of, I guess to reemphasize what we're talking about is I think the fan vote should be uh, a, a key piece of this in all the sports because everybody wants to see those guys get out there. But Gosh, I mean, let's use our brain to think guys that are on the IL should not be, you know, should not even, you know, Mm -hmm. they can be just added as like, hey, these guys would have made it or these guys are not attending and these other guys fill in. And then let's have some more performance based. Even in the past, there have been, I can't think of any examples top of my head, but, you know, they always are nervous about the manager, right? From picking guys that he's like, oh, well, I've, I've seen this guy play. So they don't even pick the reserves that, you know, were the highest vote getters or, had the best numbers. And that's, you know, funny in a a day and age where we're just continuing to talk about analytics and the depth of analytics, where some guy like Di Sclafani is nine and three with a two, six, seven and a manager can pick someone. The best team in baseball too. Right. I think you need to take that into account. Yeah. There's a reason they're up there and he's one of them. Right. But you could just like Yuli. Right. But you could take a guy who's five and one with a, you know, three and a half ERA if you're the manager just based on, you know, hey, well, I I like this guy or I know this guy and he's been an all-star perennially. So Mm -hmm. I do think there'd be nice to marry the analytics again, what we always talk about with the eyeball test and say, hey, look, the best team in baseball, you know, should have more representation just like the Astros do. And maybe again, popularity Mm -hmm. contest or the Houston fans are a little more uh, engaged. We continue to talk about California always having a, a diversified set of interests, right? With the Dodgers fans showing up in the second inning, leaving in the eighth inning. I mean, they don't have a ton of guys on the all-star <laughs> team. And, and San Francisco is the same thing, right? San Francisco is a, you know, I wouldn't call it a hotbed for baseball fanatics, but, uh, you know, the people mm-hmm. that go and the fans that love the Giants are certainly uh, involved and, and engaged. But as you mentioned, they're probably not as fanatical as a whole country of, of Canada voting for yeah. uh, one outfielder. So... Great point. No, but the fan the fan bases have a lot to do with it too. And to that point, the Texas Rangers, who are in last place, have three All Stars voted in, mm-hmm. and the Tampa Bay Rays and the San Francisco Giants and some of these other teams who maybe don't have that that fan base that really goes out there and crushes it. I know San Francisco did good, but there's the, who was it? The Tampa Bay Rays. And there was another first place team. I can't remember who it was. Maybe the Chicago White Sox that only had like one or two guys. Tampa Bay only has one guy and they're, you know, they're competing. They're in second place in the uh, American League East. But the last place, Texas Rangers have three guys on their on their roster for the All-Star game. Um, I don't know if you've heard the news out here, but it actually broke just yesterday uh, with the Houston Astros. And we talked about how four of the Astros have been voted into the all-star roster. It was Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, Ryan Presley, and Michael Brantley, all deserving to go and uh, playing great, having great seasons. But there was an announcement yesterday from both Carlos Correa and Jose Altuve saying that they will not be attending the all-star game. And I just want to update everybody on what's going on. And the official release is 
Carlos Correa's wife is pregnant. I think they have a uh, they have a doctor visit right in the middle of that week. And Carlos Correa is opting out to be with his wife, which is a unique opportunity throughout the course of a baseball season anyways, to be a part of, you know, your first child's, uh, you know, doctor visits and updates and trying to uh, be supportive of your wife. So he is, he is not going to the game so that he can be available and be a little more family oriented with his wife, uh, Daniela, as they head into that doctor visit to get updates on their first child. Uh, that she is carrying. And then on the other side, Jose Altuve announced that, you know, he's a little beat up, batted around and his, you know, his lower half is hurting him. And he wanted to take that week off during the all-star break, kind of recuperate, get things back. It's his, it's his seventh all-star vote in. And then uh, Correa's, it was his second, but Altuve saying that he had a lower half issue that he wants to make sure that he's hundred percent for the stretch run. And I, first, I want to get your opinion on that. And then I want to talk about maybe the underlying possibility and how Rob Manfred has disparaged the opportunity for guys like Correa and Altuve to enjoy being an all-star. Interesting. I don't really know what Rob Manfred did to disparage uh, their appearance. Maybe that has to do with the The scandal and scapegoating the Astros. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, it definitely sounds like a protest to me. I mean, I went to plenty of doctor visits, but uh, maybe the only thing that that I'm nervous about is we're going to have a, a a photo of Correa and Altuve vacationing uh, on the like somewhere, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like hey, we plan to take this time off the whole time. And they're going to be like for a long weekend away with their families and somebody's going to snap a picture of them laying in the sun you know somewhere. I, I I get that. And that is definitely a possibility, but the scrutiny that these guys have been under, I think they are hyper aware and hypersensitive oh, yeah. of things like that. And yeah, I, I bet you they crawl under a rock and just disappear for a good four oh, days, yeah. man. No, no, no. And, and we all, I mean, it's funny because uh, I just mentioned that where, you know, there are plenty of guys that are having career years or things. And, you know, I mean, this is hopefully going to open up an opportunity for somebody that's performance-based. Um, I think when you've been there and done that, they're certainly different for Correa because he's going to be an all-star, you know, he was an all-star previously. He'll be an all-star yeah. for, yeah, he's just kind of a perennial all-star. And you mentioned the the birth of your ch- uh, first child is certainly like all of that is really important. Um, and and it's great. You know, you're the, we've talked about families on this podcast before, how supportive families are. It's great if you have three or four days off in the middle of the season here where you can support your family and support your wife. Um, after all the support that she's given you. So I, I, I mean, I'm, I was kind of joking about them, you know, going on vacation together as a protest, but oh, I know, but the, uh, I don't know. I think it's a good thing. I think it'll open up just what we said. It'll open up the opportunity for some people, uh, based on performance to get into the all-star game. And I don't think there's anything wrong with taking some time off. I personally had an experience after that summer, uh, with team USA where they had put together, you know, this was before cell phones, you know, this is how old I am before cell phones and all that. But, uh, they selected a few team USA players to go to do a showcase down at Dodger stadium. And I was unaware of it because we were in Cuba for 30 days. And, uh, wow. I had thrown 157 innings in college. And then I threw like 60 more that summer was planning on going on vacation when I got back and somebody said, Oh yeah, you were invited to this Dodger stadium showcase. It's like a two day thing and you're going to pitch there and do this. And I, you know, we didn't even have email. I sent him, I called the guy and said, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going. <laughs> and they were like, what do you mean? You're not going, we invite you to this thing. It's Dodger stadium. Like, you know, we'll fly you down. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not going. I, I can't go. 
and I was disparaged. I, I don't remember who it was or what organization, but like, no, this is a, this is an honor. Like come down and pitch. And I'm like, my arm is going to fall off. Oh, and I had been drafted. So I was trying to figure out, I was probably going to oh, wow. go to instructional league in the next two months. And I'd been playing baseball for whatever. Anyway, I know people listen to the Bleacher Blums podcast to hear our story. So that's, that's a story I have that, that relates to that. And I think, you know, this too, you and TK, you were just saying all those are big series with the Astros and Yankees, you know, you're looking forward to those few days off over the all-star break. And, uh, and we all need yeah. a, need a refresher and a re-energizing uh, moment. Yeah. And, you know, so good for them for being able to make that decision. I know it, it probably wasn't an easy one, to be honest with you, because it is such an honor for the, I, th those guys truly, I believe, think it is an honor to be an all-star and to go out there and represent the Houston Astros. Uh, but at the, in the same token, what I referenced to Rob Manfred, you know, scapegoating the Houston Astros and pinning it all on them and uh, making them the poster child for this scandal. And now watching them go on the road and hearing through the field mics, how often they get booed and how often they get yelled at. You know, it's one thing to go out and do that on a daily basis. It's another thing to choose to put yourself in that environment. And I know that they made the choice and they were busted for the choice that they made in 2017. But why would you continue to put yourself out there? You know, the all-star game is supposed to be an honor. It's supposed to be a time of joy. It's supposed to be an accomplishment. And I feel like that one national game or that national stage that they would be put on and this is just my personal opinion too. I, you know, I don't know how true this would be, but just knowing from what I, what I've heard in my experience in calling games of Astros on the road, why would you put yourself in that environment? Because now all of a sudden you're you're exposed to the national media for a couple of days. You're exposed to a national audience. You're exposed to a stadium full of people who only know one thing. They don't know. They don't dig on the data. They don't understand that you know, maybe you weren't using it as often. Maybe it didn't help your numbers. But the only thing is that they are associated with the scandal and it is an opportunity to beat down somebody who got to the top and they're going to get, they're probably going to, they would probably get their brains booed out. So why would you put your family in that environment? Why would you put yourself in that environment if you don't have to? So I think, I, I don't, I don't know if that's the entire reason, but I, I would imagine for me personally, I'd be like, dude, you know what? I'm going to take four days. I'm going to disappear <laughs> and enjoy my family and enjoy my time together and not put myself out there. Uh, Michael Brantley and Ryan Presley will be going to the All-Star game, but it's different for them because they weren't on that 2017 team. And if they get booed, that just makes the, the fan look like a horse's ass because they're, you know, they're just booing the name on the front of the jersey instead of actually understanding and appreciating how great Michael Brantley is, how great Ryan Presley have been and the honor of being an all-star for them is, but I would imagine there's a little bit of consternation maybe underneath the real reasons, you know, the, the, the legitimate reasons they have for not going to that all-star game. And I kind of feel for them on that sense, even though that uh, what they did was wrong in 2017, but the way it was exposed and the way it was handled by major league baseball uh, could have been a little bit better. Gosh, that's, those are great points. And I think it's, it kind of relates to the all-star voting actually, right? Which fans are informed mm -hmm. and which ones aren't. So if you have uninformed fans, which we know there are plenty of, sorry, folks, you know, plenty of uninformed fans, like you said, could be a, a recipe for, as you said, putting yourself in an environment that you don't need to put yourself into, right? It's, it's an all-star selection. Mm -hmm. It's kind of an, an honor <laughs> for sure, but these guys are uh, many time all-stars. And if they're not uh, going to play this year, Maybe in a couple of years, as you said, they'll uh, they'll be back at it and uh, you know be able to handle it differently. But I, I would agree with you. I think if you have a choice in the matter, 
I think, like you said, taking four days off, getting healthy, resting, relaxing is the right decision for sure. Hey, dude, is so the home run derby is going to be in Colorado. Do you think the home run derby is ever going to end? I think this is the whole reason they put a clock on the home run derby because it is going to be ridiculous. Yeah, it'll be ridiculous. You know, it's funny. I'm out of all the things I like about baseball. Um, the home run derby is probably way, way, way down on the list. I mean, not Smoking just like because, a true pitcher. Yeah, there you go. I, was, I knew you were going to say that. I'm like, no, I was trying to beat it's you to the point. Too easy. Yeah, it's just, it's just not. I mean, it's great to see what those guys can do. And I mean, there was an article talking about how far Shohei Otani hits them all the time in BP. And so in Colorado, like you said, he might hit one like 700 feet, and that would be cool to see. <laughs> But as you said, I think the clock actually, you know, this, it actually adds a, a degree of kind of like stamina to it too. It's like, how fit are Dude, you? How you many are times so right. Can, that's a great right. point. <laughs> like how many, how many Sucking wind, that's right. How many times can you, with a perfect six to eight degree launch angle, you know, hit the ball 420 <laughs> feet, you know, 25, 26, 27. Did you just say like, they're going to hit the ball 420 feet in Colorado? Hmm. Uh, Oh, 420. Yeah, there you go. I don't know why that jumped in. Oh, hmm. What's Tuttle doing? <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Freudian Any, slip. That's right. Freudian slip. Anyway, it's, uh, yeah, that was the first time I went to Colorado for a business meeting. And the first time I'd seen those green like crosses on buildings, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's the, <laughs> the medicinal version. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Quote unquote. Yeah. Quote unquote. But, but interesting, like you said, yeah, I, I'm sure I, you know, they probably, they put a clock on it a couple of years ago. Um, but this will certainly mm -hmm. be probably the most, the year that'll be most applicable right here in Colorado. And I think we'll definitely see a guy hit, you know, like 35 home runs in round one and then 22 <laughs> home runs in round two. And the guy who wins, it's going to hit like 10 home. It'll be like 10 to eight in round three, but, uh, Guess. I, I, you know, not, not just cause I'm a pitcher, but you know, it just, you know, it's just, it's amazing to see how far they'll hit it. It just, it just drags on. I mean, what, what do you think about yeah. the home run derby? I mean, you've done one actually as a, you know, you guys had your, uh, <laughs> yeah, I did the old timers. Yeah. Yeah. The old timers one. What, I mean, you get tired for one. I know, you know, especially as you're older, but, uh, you know, what do you, what do you think about the home run derby? Yeah. When you factor in age, it definitely does kind of wear on you a little bit, but you know, it, it is interesting to me, but you know, that last one that we saw in 2019, when, you know, Pete Alonzo and Vlad Guerrero and Ronald Acuna, these guys are hitting so many home runs. You know, I know the clock is on it, so it does kind of, it, it caps it to a point, but at the same time in this day and age where guys are just lift and separate anyways, and then you put them in a, in a facility like uh, the mile high stadium those guys are going to be killing baseball. Their mistakes are going to go 400 feet. And that's what's going to be funny to me. I think it's going to be more, it's going to be more fun to see how far they hit it than how many they hit. Because every guy, yeah. you know, if God forbid, could you imagine if somebody went out there and goose egged it and didn't hit one out? Oh my yeah. gosh, you would get ripped to no end. And if, as a matter of fact, I will rip them to no end if they don't <laughs> hit a home run in the all-star game at Colorado uh, on our next podcast, if, if they don't, but well, you have a lot of inside knowledge about that, like the miss hit, like, you know, if you get under one and it, you know, it should just carry out, right? I don't, I'm, I don't oh know gosh. if I've ever miss yeah. hit a the ball. Dra the drag coefficient in, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I knew you were <laughs> no, but there, there, there is, it's thin air. There's no drag. The ball is, is shaped like a pro V one. So it is going to be flying. They're probably not going to put them in the humidor. It is just going to be, let it rip. And they probably, I would have, I would actually be kind of curious. And I hope they do kind of put it out there as much information as there is how many baseballs they actually have 
available for that home run derby because like you said there's eight guys in it at minimum each guy's gonna hit 20 so there you know there's 160 baseballs going into the stands and man if you are out in the bleachers or beyond the bleachers in colorado you better be damn well ready to catch about four or five baseballs because it's going to be flying out of that place i'm curious to see it but i'm not curious to watch it you know what i mean because i think watching it might be a little exhaustive to be honest with you in that atmosphere that is actually when Sports Center becomes really handy. You know, I, I, I listening to <laughs> listening to Chris. You, do they go, still show highlights, or is it like MTV where they stop showing music videos and stuff? Yeah, no, they still have Sports Center. But you know, I I was so tired. They got Chris Berman in a couple of years ago doing, and I was so tired of him going back, back, back. Like I mean, every like just yep. stop it. But as I said, when you actually get the highlights, they do breeze through it pretty well so you're like oh this guy hit 27 these are some of the you know they'll they'll get through it quickly yeah. so that's great from a highlight perspective i did read an article in the athletic that said that the rawlings factory in costa rica produces over a million baseballs a year maybe this year they went with a million and a half because they knew the home run derby <laughs> was going to be in mile high uh city so hey um i think it's time for a word from our sponsor what do you say the best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts that help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. All right. We're back on the Bleacher Blums podcast here. Hey, Blummer, I uh, don't know if you saw this last week, but the uh, Giants had an alternate uniform they put out uh, that had mm. uh, a Golden Gate Bridge on the shoulder. And then it also had a little fog kind of uh, tying in the little <laughs> Giants G. And, you know, what more to represent the, uh, the, the city of San Francisco than uh, fog and the Golden Gate Bridge, right? The coldest winter I ever spent was a summer in San Francisco. But uh, I actually like the uniforms. I'm not typically one to really like alternate unis or retro unis. Um, I think we, um, in the past, I, I mentioned the Clippers uniforms. They looked very uh, Compton-ish. They had put all the black and the, like the certain font, mm -hmm. you know, and all that. And I was like, eh, you know, I mean, trying to, trying to obviously market to, uh, you know, a bunch of different audiences, but I really like the Giants alternate unis. Um, what, uh, did you see them and what, what were your thoughts on yeah. that? And then maybe get into some of the things that you think about alternate unis or Sunday uniforms or any of that stuff. I, I did see them. And, you know, for those who have not seen them, you can yeah, I'd probably go on uh, online and Google them, but they were just, you know, a stark white Jersey kind of similar piping that they do have on their uniform now, but that left chest had the, the big G for the giants on there. And like you said, with the fog kind of rolling in on it, but I really liked the detail on the sleeve. It was kind of subtle with that golden gate bridge. So I did appreciate that. You know, they, they took a lot of heat because, you know, they were kind of, 
they they weren't extravagant or they weren't extreme like Tuttle was talking about, like the Chicago White Sox with the South Side and the jet black uniform. So it was a little more subtle. And I think in baseball, it's always funny to me because baseball has always been that traditionalist type sport where, oh my gosh, you can't alter the uniform. This is this is how it was. This is how it will be. And this is how it will ever be. And you can't alter that. So we all know that changing the jersey and giving those alternate jerseys is is a reason to make more money. But I actually like the fact that they kind of did it subtly with a couple of those things that you have to actually look at the uniform and kind of in, and digest a little bit. But I also think it, it it kind of sets the mold for other teams to kind of go out there and maybe you know, the Astros doing an H, you know, with maybe a space shuttle or a rocket coming out of it, you know, something like that, that kind of gives you that local representation. And I think that's probably one of the cooler things because in baseball, you know, football is national with the broadcast that they have on every week and the NBA tries to be national, but ultimately baseball is a very regional sport. So I like the fact that they actually went out there and tried to design a jersey that a local San Franciscan living in, say they've been transplanted and they're living in Houston, they're living in New York or they're living in Chicago and they can wear that and represent their roots a little bit and explain and have, why is there fog on there? And then you're like, oh dude, because the fog rolls in every single day at two, you know, in the morning, in the afternoon. So I think it's kind of cool. I think it's interesting. I like it that they do keep it local. So that's probably the biggest thing for me is that they did take the, the time and the effort to not just do the traditional SF or do you know that the the old giants just a block lettering across the front? I like the fact that they actually tried to mix it up, put it on the left chest, and get some of that local flavor and and tint to it. I like that. Yeah, and I, that's that's good insight as well. I tend to be the get off my lawn guy on this podcast, and I, I typically don't. I'm with you. I don't like the the. I don't know if it's the overproduction or the over creative. You know, being over creative. Yeah, don't or try so hard. Yeah, exactly. The try the try hard club, right? It don't try so hard to make it different. I actually really enjoyed the Fourth of July stuff, right? The patriotism one, all the hats. Oh, I thought they, they did a good job on that too. Yeah, I mean, I actually was. Th- I I don't really wear you know pro team hats or anything like that, but I was like, dude, I I could go out and buy a Giants or an Astros hat with the red, white, and blue. I thought they were really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, they were different for every team, like the way they did the red. You know, in the past, they've just done. Navy hats with the logo in red, white, or, you know, with the flag logo or something. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. So again, they didn't try hard. Those were subtle. I feel like, um, as you mentioned, the piping, I think typically for the giants is black, orange, black, or something like that, or it's black piping. This mm-hmm. was orange. So very subtle, but, uh, really cool. And certainly being in the Bay area the last week or two, um, you know, regionally, it's going to be great for the, uh, for the giants. And I know they're going to wear them in an upcoming series. And then they're going to start wearing those uniforms every Sunday, I believe. And, uh, you know, the Lakers have that Sunday white, you know, uniform going, yeah. and that always looks super cool. So, you know, yeah, I know let's I'm, not try so hard. I, yeah. I like the retro, like the Sunday throwback uniform. I like that idea of once a week at a home game to wear those. Cause it really brings back some of that flavor. Cause you know, with Houston and the number of uniform changes that they've had throughout the course of the season, course of the years in their organization, I think it's cool because it's, it becomes generational. And then the conversation is, oh, who, who's your favorite guy that wore the tequila sunrise uh, unis for the for the Houston Astros back in the day? And then, oh, remember the bl- the blue and gold? And then remember the brick red? So I think that's kind of the evolution and generational aspect that is kind of cool where you know, the, the son can wear the current uniform. The dad can wear the throwback of his favorite player back in the day. But in that, tri- in that try hard category, when is the NFL going to stop doing those damn highlighter 
unis that they wear on Thursday nights or whatever they call that, the color, I don't, I can't remember what the name of it is, but that could have been the biggest debacle and the, some of the worst looking uniforms I've ever seen in my life. And I felt bad to the point where I felt bad for some of those guys having to go out there and play in it. Yeah. I think there was one night where, uh, was it the Jets like wore green? Bombs. No, but the Jets wore green on a green field and they couldn't, yeah, the color <laughs> yeah. rush, there it is. But the Jet, and they couldn't tell. They were like, oh my gosh, on TV, this is the worst. Like everybody was camo. You could see these white helmets running around. Yeah, so, that was, yeah, it. it was brutal. I'm, I was not a big fan of those, uh, the color rush uniforms either. So, well, I, about the Astros, I think in general, that's the, that's the cool thing about at least with the giants, that SF right. The, in the, in that, in that font has been, you know, there since the beginning, they've tweaked it a little bit. Um, you know, being an Astros, I don't know, on an Astros ish podcast and following you guys more closely. I mean, every week on Twitter, there's like you know, not who wore it best, but which Astros logo and color scheme did you like the best? And there's like six of them, right? You have the one with the oh, yeah. space thing over it. Then you have just the, I'm, I, I like the one they have now with just the star and the H. I think that's as cool and clean as they oh, get, man, but yeah. you know, like you said in the sixties, they had something different in the seventies, they had something different and that makes it, you know, what's, you know, what's funny about that H and the star they have right now, that's actually like a tribute to their, to the back in the sixties when they had the shooting star uniforms. So I think it's kind of cool that they actually updated and you, and it's funny that they actually have some of the piping like the giants going around the edges of their uniform, which is a very traditional look. But I love the fact that they've kind of taken the color schemes and kind of updated, but retroed it a little bit because that star that you're talking about, I remember wearing that star. I actually had a Houston Astros uh, hat that I would wear to school back when you could wear hats to school in uh, high school. And it was that old, there's just the orange star, the white H on that navy blue hat. And it really popped and I love the way it looked. Um, but that's a tribute back to the shooting stars. You know, what's funny to me is that the Astros will never be able to wear the Colt 45 uniforms again for obvious reasons. But I mean, how I thought it was so cool back in the day to see the Colt 45 and the smoke coming out of the gun. Uh, there's some old ones out there that you probably never see again, but they, they have had a lot. And I played for another team, the San Diego Padres. I'll go through some of my old uniforms and I've got a, I've got a full on full blown pants and Jersey yellow with Brown piping. And you talk about some of the ugliest uniforms I've ever seen in my life. I think the San Diego Padres have gone through their share too. Yeah. Could we make that yellow a little more like urine, please? Just a little more urine yeah, color. It and really we'll pops be on screen. You know what they should do? This will really make people happy. Talk about substances on the baseball is they should make it the old wool uniforms that they wore back in oh, like the God. 1890. That would be fantastic, right? Let's Could get the imagine? old like unbreathable. Did you ever have to wear those as throwbacks back in the minor leagues or anything like that? Oh yeah. I have a, uh, I have a picture over Ooh. here. Tulsa, the Tulsa drillers. We wore, a, we wore a, uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Those things were, remember those? I yeah, mean, man. We had, uh -huh. cause I know we we've played long enough ago to where they actually said, Oh, this is a retro uni and it was full on wool. Oh yeah. It was full wool. And I, I always go back to, you know, I've told this story a bunch on the podcast, but when, you know, spending my first year in a ball, uh, in the, um, South Atlantic league in Savannah and Macon, Georgia Ooh. in late July. Could you imagine wearing it? Like we didn't even have dry fit uh, back then. We didn't have the under armor or anything like yeah, that. You wearing so a you're, cotton t-shirt under oh, that? Oh, cotton yeah. t-shirt. Yeah. Look at that. It's like, yuck, right? The old <laughs> high school football practice where you got the half shirt. Yeah, the, dude. The, oh my God. They were all cotton t-shirts. Like, you know, gosh, dude, how old do we sound? We had to walk uphill in the dude, snow. Seriously. You know, both ways. We didn't uh, even have, we had metal cleats strapped to the bottom <laughs> of our tennis shoes, our Chuck Taylors. 
Uh, it's so funny. Oh man. So, Hey, uh, I don't know if I have a Weddle Tuttle's topic and we're, uh, we're, you know, we're crushing the, uh, the baseball stuff today, but, uh, we were, we were talking about the COVID thing here in California. It's loosened up a little bit. We have no masks at the restaurants and grocery stores. And, you know, if you're vaccinated then you can do whatever you want, but the Olympics, uh, I know <laughs> Tokyo is a, 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 you know, a relatively large city in a small country, but, uh, what, I think they just made an announcement that there's going to be no fans whatsoever. And I saw actually that crazy tennis player, uh, Kurgios, he pulled out of the Olympics because he's like, there's no fans. I'm not going like I would go for oh, the man, fans. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So I was just curious to, yeah. I mean, I don't think teams are going to pull out, but you know, tennis and golf, if they're in are obviously, well, a, that's, uh, that actually, that, that kind of leads into like part of my question about this whole thing you know, you have, oh my gosh, this is probably going to get deeper than we actually need to be. But man, yeah. you know, our understand you having played for Team USA, you understand what, you know, it, the process of making a team, the process of actually fielding a team and getting it to, a, you know, a Pan Am games or, uh, you know, these Olympic situations. But you actually bring up a good point because if there are no fans, you know, what, what is the point of playing? Because there's so much pride involved, but this goes back to Tokyo, maybe 10 years ago, making a bid for the games, because there is a certain revenue stream that is produced by, by hosting, hosting an Olympics. It's a month long sporting event in your country, uh, at various cities, various venues, you've got to build up the infrastructure to be able to have these things. And I know they're compensated to a point, but there is a certain amount of income that is involved with hosting an Olympic event. And now they're being stripped of that. They had to push it from 2020 to 2021. And now you say that there's going to be no fans. I mean, how is it even economically feasible for them to even say they're going to have an Olympic uh, games without fans? It's, it's mind blowing to me. And now if, if you do have some of these professional athletes who can play in the Olympics, which I'm assuming that this tennis guy might be right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So he's a, he's a professional athlete. Like the amateur athlete's going to go just because of the perks they get with the equipment, the endorsement possibilities post Olympics and things like that. But if you're a professional athlete and the money's not an option for you, it was more of going and performing in front of people and representing your country and you remove the fan situation from it. I wonder if you'll see more people pull out in a situation like that. That's really interesting to me. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think, you know, you and I've said that on the podcast before, follow the dollars, right? Follow the money. And I actually didn't delve into the article enough to know, or, you know, the news enough to know whether or not um, Tokyo or Japan itself was the one that uh, limited fans or if it's the Olympic committee. So it sounds like based on the information you have that it's the Olympic committee and boy, the Olympic committee is going to have to come up with a big check for Tokyo or at least give them another bid. Right in the near future, right? And push somebody else because, you know, if it's Tokyo's decision or Japan's decision, that's a different, that obviously a different conversation, but I totally agree yeah, with like, you. I the mean, logistics on that? That's a good point. If whoever yeah. makes, if did the country make the decision is there, yeah, that's a great call. Yeah. So, but I agree, you know, we always have to follow the dollars and, and you've said this already today on the podcast about the fans at the all-star game, basically, you know, what you pick up on the mics now, because there aren't as many fans in the stadium and some of the grief that the players get, I mean, gosh, one of the greatest things for me, I mean, having not made the big leagues is playing in, uh, you know, the Olympic stadium in downtown, uh, Havana in front of 62,000 people that, you know, there you just, go. I mean, it was just fantastic. Like, you know, you, you gave you a real, I mean, that national anthem, you know, is 
pretty uh pretty impactful when you're in front of 62,000 fans that are uh, don't think about it or feel about it the same way you do and you know you're you're holding hands with guys you know just 20 guys that are from the United States of America uh you know it's a really different impact and I totally agree with you I mean that just you know it 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 it'll be different for the uh for the folks that are competing for sure and um I don't know it'll be it'll be something to watch and I know we'll watch it on TV but uh but the money is something that uh is important. Yeah, hopefully the ratings go off the charts and there's some way for them to monetize some of the advertising that might pick up because there is going to there aren't going to be fans in that uh, situation. But it's just it's crazy to me that this is a once in a lifetime deal. This doesn't happen, you know, this happens every 4 years and now these poor athletes aren't going to be able to go out there and perform and hear the accolades from the fans. Yeah, it's funny. I just was uh I told you I've been watching the Euro Cup, but it they keep saying it's the Euro Cup 2020 because the Euro Cup obviously got pushed from last Isn't year. That so weird? They, yeah, they didn't want to change the logo, they didn't want to change anything. Let's just call it <laughs> Euro Cup 2020. Wait, I'm confused. Like, but but to your point, right? The Olympics are the 2020 Olympics. So now do we have the Olympics in 2024? Do we just go right back three years now? So Anyway, you mentioned it's a once in a lifetime opportunity for many of these athletes. You know, there's very few people that go back to two or three Olympics. Um, you know, mm-hmm. those athletes are few and far between. This is the one chance they have. And with no fans would make it tough or the people that actually got pushed from last year. Um, I know the England uh, soccer team, um, they were talking about this specifically is that about five or six of the guys that are on this year's team wouldn't have been on the team last year had they not got to play this year in the Premier League and impress the coach and go to tryouts and do all the things that they could do. So I'm assuming that that would, you know, that would parallel with the Olympic team. Like, hey, last year, these two people were off the charts. They won the qualifier. They won the ability to get in, whatever, be equestrian or swimming. You're going to be on the team. And then this year, there's another set of tests. And if you don't pass those tests, then nope, sorry, we're going to make it switch because we need, you know, the best and the brightest. So Again, a lot of factors and a lot of variables, but with no fans, I, I know that changes. Um, the last topic then, Blummer, how about giving us an update on your uh, travel situation? I know we had talked a couple podcasts ago about uh, ESPN letting their broadcasters travel oh, yeah. um, and be in the booth on these road games. And um, anyway, wanted to hear what, the, uh, what you thought about or what you know about the uh, new broadcasting travel situation. I have information and a lot of it, you know, leading up to this point was revolving around that all-star break. Maybe after the all-star break, something will happen and something is going to happen. Radio for the Houston Astros is going to travel. So Steve Sparks, Robert Ford, the two uh, radio broadcasters and their engineer, Matt Boltz, will be on the road. They're going to jump on that team charter and uh, start to travel around because MLB has loosened their restrictions as far as who can travel. Uh, the Astros actually qualify as far as 85% vaccination for the guys on their 40-man roster and their organization, and that the broadcasters are vaccinated, so they will be able to travel. It's up to the teams. Once they get to that threshold or meet those uh, requirements, then it's up to the team and the network and whoever's involved to go ahead and let them go. So the radio will travel. Yes, uh, Steve Sparks and Robert Ford will be in person on road games after the second half uh, or during the second half of the season after the All-Star break. Television broadcast, myself, Todd Callis, and Julia Morales will not. We have been confirmed for the rest of the season to be broadcasting from from the studio when the Astros are on the road. And a lot of it has to do with the uh, logistics of the the technical side of our broadcast, uh, you know, it takes a little bit more to get a TV game up and running. And there's certain elements of television that 
that uh, you just cannot do remotely at this point, according to AT&T, and they are not going to travel us. So as much as I am disappointed, I'm happy for the radio guys to be able to get out there and do that. We'll probably be leaning on them and texting them and calling them quite a bit to get information and things that we need. Uh, but uh, we, we will be envious as they get on the road. That being said, that's just here locally in Houston. I am hearing rumors uh, throughout uh, the broadcast world that, you know, Bally Sports, which is a Sinclair Fox organization. I've heard that these major networks like Bally, like AT&T Sportsnet, uh, I believe NBC is another one, the Comcast t- uh, networks. Those bigger ones will not be traveling because of the logistics of of traveling and what that involves to get everybody going. Because I believe as far as those big networks are concerned, it's it's all or nothing. They can't just let some regional teams go if they're able to do it. I think it's they want to make it a network-wide uh, as far as who they travel. So that puts into play about three or four other networks like the Yes Network, you know, uh, Time Warner out there in LA, the Marquee Network for the Chicago Cubs. Those are three that I can think of off the top of my head who have their own private team-owned television networks. So those teams actually probably, I would, I think, and I'm hearing, will be able to travel because they're only concerned with that one team traveling as opposed to trying to accommodate, you know, 15 other networks or 15 other regions and things like that. So that's kind of the update I've got for it. It sucks. It's frustrating, but all, the only thing I'm hoping for right now is that we sacrifice now to travel later. Yeah. So, you know, it's a corporate thing. I mean, I, our company did the same thing. I know mm-hmm. the CEO of uh, a medical company was going to release their, let their uh, sales force get back out in the field. And they realized that um, they have a sales force that's global and the global folks couldn't get out. So again, you just have this huger yeah. entity. And a lot of times it's an HR issue, which it sounds like for these bigger that's networks. That's very similar to what AT&T is going through, to be honest with you too, because they're like, why can we let Houston do what they're doing and not exactly. anybody else across the world? Exactly. And so it does make sense from a logistics standpoint or a logical standpoint from an HR perspective. And I think your point is obviously more than well taken, which is you know, that the, you know, the yes network and the marquee network and the organizations that own their own, uh, that own their own network will obviously be traveling, but I'm thinking you better get a bag of quarters, man, bag of quarters for your, uh, for your glove box and, uh, be oh, able to run out and put some stuff in the meter. Oh, I've got, I've got apps. I've got this. I just need, I, <laughs> I need like a PA that can go out and move my truck every once in a while so that I don't have to sit there in the third inning going, Oh man, I forgot to move my truck. Now I paid seven bucks to park. It's going to be 50 bucks and a ticket me out. So yeah, I got to find a way around. I think that. Mark does enough. Don't, don't keep dropping hints. Mark produces the podcast. He's crushed city. <laughs> yeah, Rams shirts. You put so much on this like, guy. Hey, Mark, Why not you, move my car? Here are, the, Jeez. here are the keys to my car, Mark. Come, uh, come move the car. Anyway, that's all I got yeah. for the day. Blummer. Yep. That's good stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to call it's going to be Mark the runner Ramos is, is what we're going to have to uh, call Mark. He's done absolutely everything for us. We appreciate Mark Ramos, our producer of bleacher blums podcast. We also appreciate just geek at solutions, putting the bleacher up there. You can find uh, every, every podcast we put out has been on that website. Uh, we've got swag on there too, if you want to check it out. And of course, Mark does our t-shirts at crush city crush city T E E S. 
S.com. Uh, and at the end of every Belisha Blums podcast, we like to give our appreciation to all of military, both uh, active and veteran who have gone out there and sacrificed for us to be able to have this conversation on Bleacher Blums. And of course, all the frontline and essential workers keeping us going during this COVID crisis that we are still enduring. And to all of the uh, the EMTs, to all of the firemen, to all the firewomen, to all the policemen and policewomen, those that go out there and first respond to uh, crisis situations, we greatly appreciate you and everything you bring to this podcast. I am done. I'm going to let Tuttle run this thing out of here because he is so good at it. You know, this always seems a little self-aggrandizing, but uh, yesterday, again, you know, the CrossFit workout, we did some uh, version of a hero workout, which is called Hot Shots 19. Hot Shots 19 is actually for the uh, Prescott firefighters that died uh, fighting the big uh, wildfires uh, a couple of years ago, and they've already put together a hero workout for them. Brutal workout. Um, but again, in remembrance and understanding of, like you said, the ultimate sacrifice that's made so that we can be on this podcast and have a conversation. So with that, I will encourage you all, as we do on every podcast, to get after it and believe it. Believe it. Done.